Hello, and welcome to That Sounds Like a Plan. Today, we're going to talk about building an annual giving plan around events. My guest says she has a love-hate relationship with events. You may be wondering why I'd have someone who has any kind of hate toward events on the podcast. Well, stick around. You're going to find out why. Jennifer Dieter has spent most of her fundraising career as a small shop generalist with a love-hate relationship with events. She understands the pain that comes with hearing, we need to raise more money. Let's have another event. As a fundraising consultant, Jennifer wants to help fundraising professionals develop sustainable solutions that generate the highest return on investment. All right, Jennifer, let's get into it. You told me you have a love-hate relationship with events. Can you explain why that is? Yes. So I love a well-done mission-focused event because it brings in new supporters, it generates awareness of your important work, and it raises a lot of money. And there's a magic that happens in that room when you have a really successful event. And as a development professional, it's helped me fall more deeply in love with my work and the community. However, events are so stressful. You have to have the right people in the right room at the right time. And there are so many things that can go wrong. And so as someone who likes to know what's coming and likes a sense of predictability, I've always hated how events come together at the very last minute. (laughs) Amen to that. I know how much work and how much stressful they are. And you're right. If you don't know what you're doing, it can have some not so great results or you can still get good results, but you're burning yourself out in the process. So when I asked you for your intro, you mentioned that you understand the pain that comes with hearing we need to raise more money. Let's have another event. And that statement pains me as well, but I'm guessing it's for different reasons. So tell me what bothers you as a development specialist about that statement. Yes. So I have heard this statement uttered by more than one executive director or board member at more than one organization. And we as development professionals know how much work it can take to have a seamless event. And if you're not the one doing that work, I think it's often looked at as a quick fix to bring in an influx of cash. And it's a way to avoid investing the time and energy that comes with individual and major gifts fundraising. And so when I hear that statement as a development professional, that makes me think I'm getting pressure to see faster results when we know that really bringing in those transformational gifts to your organization can take a lot of time. And so when you're doing too many events, I think it leads to burnout and you're not really able to focus on the type of fundraising where we see the highest return on investment and things that are more sustainable. Because there's so much unpredictability in events, they're not always the easiest way to raise money and they don't always see the highest return on investment. Well, and I kind of find it kind of funny that it's considered a, a quick fix because, you know, events are anything but quick. I mean, maybe I guess in the long run, you know, long term, it's considered quick. But yeah, as we as we talked about, it's a lot of work and many months of work go into it. So I would not necessarily consider that a quick fix either. So you are a fundraising generalist, meaning you wear many hats and have handled all aspects of fundraising, including events. So what is the right way to incorporate events into a small nonprofit's overall development plan? So I think it's really important to think of your event as fitting into your overall strategy and how it's going to help you meet your goals for the year. You can't just do an event and check it off and say, done, I did that thing. 
Um, so really thinking about what is this event going to do for you? Is it going to bring in new donors? Are you going to build awareness around your mission? Are people going to sign up to volunteer? Is it going to leverage a grant? And so how will you continue to build those relationships that come from these events throughout the year? So thinking about your overall calendar and thinking, okay, I'm going to drop this appeal at this time. What sort of message am I going to send to these people who have attended my events? When is Give to the Max Day? When am I putting messages up on social? And thinking of your event as part of your overall strategy and calendar and continuing to think of it as an ask. And then what are those cultivation and stewardship activities that are going to go around it? We know that it takes multiple contacts before someone is going to increase a gift or make a planned gift. So when you're communicating with your donors after the event, you have to continue to build that relationship beyond the emotion that comes with events or uh, consumption of alcohol that can sometimes make people give a gift in the spur of the moment. So how are you building those, those event attendees into your overall um, donor cycle to make sure that you're cultivating and stewarding as well as asking? Yes, absolutely. I mean, you know, as somebody who focuses on fundraising events, that's always my goal and my hope for that nonprofit is that once I'm gone, that they continue to cultivate all those people that were in the room and, you know, feeling the emotions of the messaging that we've, that we worked so hard to, to put on stage. So we both know events should be the gateway to building long-term relationships with uh, nonprofits, donors, and supporters. So where do you see nonprofits falling short on this and how can they remedy that? So one thing that I am really terrible at and I've always been terrible at is tracking my time and building that into the cost of doing an event. And that not, not just my time, but any staff or volunteers who are working on the event, you really want to make sure that their time is valued in the overall cost of an event. And that really will help you show your board or executive director what the true return on investment is. So if you're trying to sunset an event, if you're trying to um, shift your focus more toward individual and major gifts, using that time can help you identify ways that maybe you're spending a lot of time on a logistics or securing silent auction items. And as a development specialist, are those the best uses of your time and skills? Could you be more focused on sponsorships? Could you be reaching out to donors who might raise their paddle during your fund to need or make a contribution prior to the event. And on that note, I think oftentimes your board and volunteers will get really bogged down in the silent auction. It will be like, we need to bring in silent auction items, more silent auction items, more, more, more. And I've always said quality over quantity. So thinking about um, quality items, but also understanding that people that come and just purchase silent auction items maybe aren't the types of people that are going to be sustainable donors to your organization. So really shifting that focus away from the silent auction and more on who are we going to get into the room that's going to make gifts to our organization, they're going to become invested in our mission, and we're going to be able to retain them long term as donors. So how can you shift your, your volunteers focus to those activities as well? And then I think oftentimes nonprofits think of events as a party instead of a strategic fundraising effort. And I've had to tell more than one person that I am not in the entertainment business. I am not a party planner. My job is to bring in transformational gifts that are going to advance our mission. And we do not need donors who think it is our job to entertain them. I think if we're going to move to fundraising that's more community-centric, that is more um, equitable. We need to make sure everyone has access to that room. And we also need to make sure that we 
are bringing in people that are going to be true mission partners, that they're going to do whatever it takes to advance our mission. And that might be a financial gift, that might be volunteering their time, that might be advocacy. And so I think oftentimes with events, we cater to that donor who isn't going to make a gift because their chicken was cold. And I feel like as nonprofits, we need to be focusing on those donors that are really going to be our mission partners. Oh boy, you are speaking my language. Um, I think the the auction is another one of those where people view it as a quick fix or a quick way to raise some money. And if you've ever worked on an auction, you know, it's a lot of work. So it's anything but quick and it's anything but, <laughs> um, you know, and you're seeing, yes, you're getting all those items for free, but when you look at what the fair market values of those items, you're usually usually getting 50 to 75% of that. And so, you know, a lot of work goes into that. And I, I agree. I see a lot of people get bogged down in the auction and with that more, more, more mindset, whereas, yeah, less is more in quantity quality over quantity. I think too, sometimes with the silent auction, people come in looking for a deal. Like they're like, how can I get something for less than the value? Instead Absolutely. of really looking at it as a donation to the organization. And um, and that's a, that surprises me because I, there's not, and that's not everyone, but there is, there are people I think that are like, I'm going to go shopping. And I know I've been at events and been like, oh, I can get this for a good deal. And I'm not really thinking about how that ties into the mission of the organization. Oh, absolutely. And it's that's an education piece, too, that we all have to do. Anyone who's hosting a fundraising event has to do with their audiences, you know, letting them know anything over and above that fair market value is a donation to that nonprofit. And so you shouldn't always be striving to get a good deal. So those were the three questions I had for you, Jennifer. We always end the podcast with an action item for our listeners. And so I'd love to hear what you have come up with as a takeaway for people to do after they are done listening? Well, first of all, if it wasn't clear, find a way to track your time. So however (laughs) that works for you and whatever makes that easiest. And then my um, other action item is to dig into your database and look at the people who contributed to your last fund a need at your event or made a donation. They did not your auction donors or people who just attended And then think about what actions are you able to take before your next event to deepen their investment in your organization? I love that. I think too, that the, that historical information, you know, from your registration, from your donor database, I feel like that's an untapped resource that not a lot of nonprofits go back and look at the stats and look at, uh, you know, digging into who those big donors were and, and how to, reach out to those people. So I agree, that is a fantastic action item. So let's just do a quick recap of of our conversation and just kind of hone in on those key points for our listeners. Can you do that for me, Jennifer? Sure. So remember that events are not necessarily a quick fix, that they need to be part of your overall fundraising strategy. Remember that a fundraising event is an ask. So how are you balancing that with cultivation and stewardship? Track your time. Don't get bogged down with the silent auction. And remember that you are not in the entertainment business. Love that. So if anybody listening today wants to follow up with you or get more information about your services, how can they contact you? Sure. Um, You can find me on LinkedIn, Jennifer Dieter. I should be fairly searchable. (laughs) Um, Otherwise, you can send me an email at jenniferdieterconsulting at gmail.com or give me a call at 
772-6055. And, and just for listeners, Jennifer's last name is spelled D-I-E-T-E-R. So Jennifer Dieter. I'll have all this information on how to get a hold of Jennifer in this episode's show notes. Go to thatsoundslikeaplan.net for more information. Jennifer, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a pleasure and I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you so much for having me.